Hello and welcome to the first dispatch of Hoop We Can Believe In, an audio project of Rachie and Tali Lewis. Um, we're so excited to share our new obsession with the WNBA and really all things women's basketball with our friends and our family. We feel as though it is really our responsibility to get this incredible information, um, highlights, hot takes, history out there um, to our community because there has been a real lack of it in our lives and I think in our in our communities and it's time. It's time we all see the beauty and the strength and the amazing athleticism that is women's basketball. Wouldn't you say so, Tali? Oh my gosh, I would absolutely say so and I am so excited that we have the opportunity to share this with people. Rachie and I have been sharing this with people over these last weeks. It really started with the NCAA Women's Tournament, which we'll probably talk a little bit more about later in the show, um, but I think since we've done that and since we've invited people into those conversations we've just experienced so much excitement and connection and surprise which it's a shame that we're all surprised now um or many of us have been surprised now but um but let's let's step into this and really and really take it on Let's do that. Yeah. So the goal for this project is to both um, offer some context for what is happening, like as we speak in um, women's basketball, offer highlights and, you know, takes on what games were, were the ones to watch, but also to kind of step back in time and think about all of the, all of the missed opportunities we had. And just to be clear, it's not only on us. I think it is on us. Tali and I are both, as you will learn, um, former basketball players sometimes we try to continue to be basketball players sports fans feminists progressives all of the things that actually are are tied together within uh women's basketball these days and so we see it um as our responsibility to to kind of retrace the steps that got us here both in terms of how um the WNBA became so wonderful despite so so little investment also to understand why in fact the the WNBA is um, really at the forefront of athlete activism um, and and to also understand why we may have missed our own opportunities um, in our own individual lives. So without further ado, why don't we start by sharing a bit about ourselves and what brought us to, to this moment in this podcast. Audio project, not a podcast. Thanks for clarifying, Rachie. I got a little bit nervous. Um, great. I think in I think as we're taking those steps back and sharing with people, um, yeah, who we are and why we've come to this, I am gonna steal a question um, from uh, one of my favorite podcasters, Krista Tippett, and ask you to share what has been the spiritual background of your sports life, Rachie. Mm. What a good question. What a good question. I'm sure Krista would be happy to share the question with you. So Tali and I grew up in uh, an Orthodox Jewish community, as some of you might know, in um, Philadelphia. And we were both pretty religious about our religion, but also pretty religious about our sports. And I think in a lot of ways, the our, the, our like family um, commitment to rituals and to community and to belief and collectivity and all of these things um, were also very much reflected in the way that we really like latched on to be fans of Philadelphia sports teams. So 
the Philadelphia Eagles, a football team, were our real like primary love. And we would, as a family, watch games together um, every single Sunday. You know, on Saturday, we went to synagogue. On Friday, we watched Eagles games. And whenever the Eagles would score a touchdown. Sunday. On Sunday. On Sundays. Sorry, on Sundays. And, um... On on Sundays when we were watching these games, whenever the Eagles would score touchdowns, all of the children in our family would, would do the worm, which was our traditional dance or ritual, you might be able to say. Um, and so there were just so many ways in which the ways that we connected to sports fandom in Philadelphia, mostly for the Eagles, but definitely also for the 76ers, who were our basketball team, um, our baseball team, the Phillies. Every now and then, maybe the Philadelphia Flyers, but let's be real, who really cares about hockey? Sorry for any of the Canadians uh, who might be listening among our vast, vast audience. That's sharp, Rach. Yeah, yeah. I shouldn't throw... This is not a podcast where we try to throw shade, an audio project where we try to throw shade. We are really about joy and uplift and supporting each other in in living out our values. Um, I will also say, um, because perhaps I haven't mentioned this, but all of these sports teams were professional men's teams, um, and we just never knew. We never really um, followed much of what was going on in parallel um, with women's sports, but we were very, very much all in on um on our Philadelphia teams and and I think um we were really like ripe for it but a lot of circumstances made it so that we never we never really got there um I'll also say that Tali and I um played various sports we uh played basketball in high school and softball basketball I think was really very much our our love um and yeah just never really really connected the dots but we had um we had a lot of the ingredients there. Tal, what would you add since we lived a very similar life? It's true. Much of what Rachie said is also true for me. Um, something that I'll add is that w- one trademark of mine and Rachie's sports history is that in about fifth or sixth grade, we got really excited about knowing as much sports goings on as we could. And we started to watch ESPN Sports Center every morning before school. Our bus would come around 7.20 a.m., so that meant that in order to get a full hour of Sports Center in, we'd have to be like ready and dressed for school by 6 a.m., and we made it happen. So we would watch an hour of Sports Center before school um, for a significant part of our childhood, and we knew so much of what was going on in the sports world. And actually, when I think about that, From this vantage point in my life, I think about how much sports news and information we were consuming that was really probably like 99% about men's sports. And I just think about all of the intellectual space that that Mm. took up in our Mm. brains and how with that curiosity and with our love of sports and being feminists and wanting to support women's sports, we really really could have had an earlier start in, in, yeah, just knowing what was going on and, and and becoming diehard fans um, and so it just it just feels like a real miss when I think about how much time we spent consuming consuming sports news um, I'll also say that we in the sports news realm we would read the the Eagles Digest um, the Philadelphia Eagles monthly newspaper from like back to back and so we just knew like a ton of stats and a ton of information about these players lives and I feel like we're really bringing that curiosity now um, into into women's sports and and yeah just it just feels like it's about time I'll also add I want to underscore a point that you made about um, 
our, our feminism. Um, we, we come from a, a line of, of strong women and very much, I think that was reflected both in our religious life and our family life. Um, and, in, and in so many parts of our, our world. And when I think about, um, not just like coming to women's basketball at this point in time, but also kind of letting go of many uh, of the professional sports that we were so invested in when we were younger. A big part of that letting go comes from feeling as though our values as feminists, as women, as progressives, um, and so on and so forth, it just didn't feel as though following professional football made very much sense or was it all reflective of the way we were trying to be in the world um, and sports can actually be that and it's something that I've I've been learning more and more about um, in, in the past few months as we've really um, dug deep into into the WNBA but I would also say that a part of our spiritual sports life is is letting go and and mm. and kind of giving up a part of ourselves that were that were that was very vibrant and that that gave us a lot of joy and certainly a lot of torment mm. um, that's right growing to be up. a Philly sports fan is to be tormented. Um, Rach, that's such a beautiful point. And I think it's a really good transition into this I, this question of like, why, why now? Like, why are we getting into women's basketball in this big way now? So it's not an accident. And I think it's always true that, um, that what we experience as individuals, you can probably point to things going on around us that are informing those choices and those changes. And the WNBA fandom that we have taken on is certainly no different. So I believe that I started to um, pick up on how special the WNBA was um, through starting to hear um, various media uh, around the the bubble season last year that the WNBA had, so because of COVID, um, there was still there was still sports that were that were happening, but they were happening in sort of contained um, bubbles instead of teams traveling from from place to place. Everybody was just in one place um, in in Florida, and the WNBA was engaged in a ton of activism. They had um, before the season started last year, the players and the full league had dedicated the season to just for Breonna Taylor and and the Say Her Name campaign, which focuses on um, really highlighting the, the stories of women and girls who have been uh, harmed by police brutality and, and seeking justice for them. Black women and girls. Black women and girls. And so um, there was all this activism that had that had sort of started, and and but but I hadn't really heard about it until it, it became clear that the WNBA players, and specifically uh, a team from Atlanta, the Atlanta Dream, were getting really engaged in the uh, senator camp, the senator senatorial campaign. Um, where Kelly Loeffler, who was a Republican senator in Georgia, was challenged by um, Raphael Warnock, a really wonderful um, uh, candidate who went on to, to win the election. But Kelly Loeffler was actually a part owner of the Atlanta Dream. And she had for um, months actually been uh, a detractor of a lot of the activism that the players um, were really trying to to bring about. Um, and the players wanted to make a statement because she was, she, Kelly Loeffler, was was really 
um, getting in the way of a lot of what they wanted to do. And as a league that is 80% black women felt as though that was a real like assault on their, uh, on their choices and autonomy and identities. And they started campaigning pretty hard for Raphael Warnock. They wore vote Warnock shirts, um, before games and, and that sort of spread more broadly to, to the rest of the league. And so these stories started to pour out into some activism circles. I think I started to hear about it, um, I think the first time I heard about it actually was when Alicia Garza um, interviewed Lasia Clarendon, who's an amazing player and activist, um, on on Alicia Garza's podcast, and just realized like, whoa, this is this is like the the um, exact thing that brings together all of our interests, all of the things that we care about and sports and fandom never has to actually like get in the way of of what we want to be in the world, um, that all of these things can actually reinforce each other. Um, And so from there, I just started learning as much as I could, found found the NCAA tournament, which we had known about, the, the college basketball tournament, um, March Madness, as it's sometimes known on the, on the men's side. Um, but the women um, have always played and have done a really amazing job, and the, and the basketball has been so incredible, and we just got so into it. And so I think the activism was sort of our gateway, but then just the amazing athleticism, the incredible games that came down to like a last second shot. It was just, it was so amazing, and it was so joyful, and we all could use things in our lives right now that, that bring us some more joy. And so from there, we started learning more about the WNBA because the season went from March to Um, the college basketball tournament to April to the WNBA draft where they were picking, where teams were picking players from college um, to the WNBA season, which has started over the past few weeks. Yeah. And Rach, I I just want to really highlight um, the the joyful part of what you were talking about, because I think that's just been, it's been really true in our lives and it's been true in the conversations that we've gotten to have with, with people in our lives when we've brought them in. And I cannot emphasize enough how incredible these games that we watched in the NCAA tournament were. And just wanted to take a second to just like give some people some real, do it. I, we know for the people who like watched with us and who were in our WhatsApp group, you may know about some of these moments, but just wanted to like crowdsource from you and me. I don't know if that's a crowdsource, a two person source of, of like real joyful highlight moments uh, from the NCAA tournament this year. Uh, what's the first one that comes to your mind? Oh, I mean, I think the first one, there was a game. It was, I think, the the second round between Texas A&M and Iowa State. And, you know, the earlier games aren't supposed to be as exciting as, as this one was. But it really just went back and forth at the end there. It went into overtime. And this, I think, sophomore named Jordan Nixon really took over the game and had some amazing shots, some threes. And um, in the last... In the last play in overtime, um, she took the ball out. They decided not to call a timeout with a small amount of time left to, to get a play set. And she just went right down the court um, and and had a really beautiful floater shot in the paint. Someday you might all understand what these words are, but we're not going to define our terms just yet. Maybe we'll have show notes. Um and it and it like hung in there, hung in the air for like for like a few seconds, and then it just like went in, and it like it, it, it took a little, it took like a few taps against the rim, 
and and they won and it was the most incredible game and her whole team went and just like just crowded her and like hugged her and loved on her and it was so beautiful you should really also watch the end of the game interview with her it was so beautiful she was so vulnerable it was so exciting that was one that sticks out to me how about you i i'm just thinking about the moments of like upset or almost upset belmont oh what a game you what guys game. played troy Justine actually Wells. played texas a&m in that first i think in that first round amazing amazing play troy that was a really tough loss with some tough calls but you really really showed up and oh my gosh what can we say about the arizona wildcats Ari mcdonald uh, Adia Barnes. Adia Barnes. Like, Ugh. what a showing you guys put on. Also, ju- just to say, we we really came into the NCAA tournament, like, ready to be fans of everybody and just, like, loving the basketball and, like, really excited to watch the amazing play. And also, the South Carolina Gamecocks became our team. Woo woo! Don Staley, Aaliyah Boston, Zia, Zia Cook. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, and and everybody else. Oh my God, you guys. Destiny did Henderson. Destiny Henderson. Letitia, me here. Nine blocks. <laughs> I think the game. I think the game of the tournament was um, between the um, the Gamecocks and uh, Stanford in the Final Four, and uh, it was a heartbreaker. It was a heartbreaker at the end. There was an amazing steal. They kicked it out to Aaliyah Boston. She had one shot, and and it didn't go in. It didn't fall, but it was an incredible, incredible game. Just like edge of our seats, so much, so much suspense, joy, sadness, but mostly joy because good basketball is good for everybody. And one more game just to put on the radar, the UConn-Baylor game. I know like a bunch of people that ho- will hopefully listen to this. You guys you guys saw that controversial call at the end with Dijanae Carrington, who's now on the Connecticut Sun, our Woo! local team. Woo-woo! Amazing effort to to put up a shot and then and did not get a foul call. Big, big controversy. But that UConn-Baylor game was also an incredible game in the Elite Eight. They shouldn't have met that early. Should have been later on. Two really elite teams. Um, so that's just a taste of some of the competitiveness. And I think what we've already seen in the start of the WNBA season is just incredible competitive basketball. So many games coming down to the wire. So many lead changes in each of these games. And getting to know these players. What a joy. What a joy. Yeah, it's been it's been really amazing. And I think um, you've heard it a bit in, in what we're saying. And I think Tali said this, but I, I really, really want to underline the point that when you follow women's basketball, it is truly possible to to really like cheer for everybody and to want the best for everybody. And even if we have like a favorite team, we want everybody to do well. And I actually feel like that is a very different experience from having followed sports growing up, professional men's sports. It was very much a zero sum game. I almost felt as though I was as joyful about the teams I didn't like losing as I was about my own team winning, which is definitely about being Philadelphian. But I think it also is just a product of what it is to be to be a sport fan in our like patriarchal hierarchical capitalist society and while capitalism is definitely a part of the WNBA and we want them to be able to make make more money and and go for equity 
it is truly it is truly a collective effort um, and one thing I, I really want to plug um, one one really great resource to learn about last year's season um, the activism the players what the WNBA did during COVID is the ESPN documentary 144 which is really incredible we'll try and share the uh, the trailer you can also go find it yourselves because who knows if we'll have audio project dispatch notes um, and yeah, it's just it's been it's been really incredible to actually like watch games and and feel like spiritually like I want everybody to do well. That that joy, that that like belief in everybody, that wanting good things for everybody, I think is actually very good um for all of our all of our souls. Um mm. and there yeah, there've been some really really um incredible games. I think the Dallas Wings are are a team to watch. Their record isn't that great, but they've like really really fought hard in all of the games that they've played. A lot of those have come down to the wire. The Connecticut Sun are so strong. Dewana Bonner, John Quill Jones is having an amazing year. Um, I think that's a, I think that's actually a great place to end it um, for our for our first dispatch and and so hopefully you've had a taste of uh, some of the different things that we're going to try to do in these conversations and we yeah we want you we want you to guys to be a part of it. We may figure out how to do that moving forward. Um, but for now, really grateful for you um, listening and and excited to see what comes in the future. Yeah, stay tuned. This has been Hoop You Can Believe In.